Thompson, Steph Curry, two of the best to ever do it. When you look at Modi Moody, Modi Moody, Modi Moody, Modi Moody, 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 saying with every pick that was going after the field pick, I was saying, you know what, they could do take Moses Moody. All right, they didn't take Moses. I was like, look, take Moses Moody. And when you finally got your name called at that one moment, I couldn't, you know, that's me being there. Look, at the end of the day, you were going to make a household name for yourself anyway because, you know, you obviously how talented you are on the basketball court, but I think I just added a little spice. Now you're a household name. Everybody knows who Moses Moody is. <laughs> King Known Uncensored. We are all day thing. This is show one of two. I'm telling you, you're going to want to sit down for this one. I want to welcome y'all to my version of the 2023 NBA Draft. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't wait to record this shit, yo. Because it's going down. I know. I mean, I usually do this shit like right the week, right, you know, the week before the draft. I sound like Kendrick Perkins right now. So that means you know I'm ready now. It's supposed to be held on June 22nd, 2023 at the Barclays Center in New York where the New York Knicks fans classically boo players. And as far as I'm concerned, according to the uh, actual 
draft order, the New York Knicks do not have a first-round pick yet. They do not have a first-round pick, so thank God. They'll have a second-round pick, though. But don't be surprised if the Knicks trade up. You know, this is their center. But, you know, thank God so far that New York don't have a pick so that they won't boo. Because they always been infamous for booing players that they pick in the first round. They're never satisfied. That's why they ain't won shit since 1973. Because they're one of the top five, maybe top ten, worst fan bases in the world. They don't deserve nothing. But we gonna get started. All right, all right, all right, all right. Hold on. Well, I am going to be posing as these teams. You know, I I got a chance to watch about thirty-five to forty players. And then I watched like four people's mock drafts of the first two rounds. I'm only doing one round. I'm not doing 60 players. I don't have all the time in a day for y'all to do all that shit. So you're going to get my first round and my first round only. Whoever is selected in the second round and whatever order it goes is whatever order it goes. I'm going to choose these players from my perspective and based on team needs best available and I'll tell you why alright man we gotta go with the first round pick my pick is obviously in all 30 of mine is in and of course I have San Antonio selecting Victor Wimbenyama from France um, my player comparisons are uh, Kevin Durant and Nikola Jokic Basically, Nikola Jokic with Kevin Durant's ball handling and body body size. Victor Wembanyama is set to be the next big thing. He's set to be somebody that is like... The God, because currently right now, you know, he's in the G League in France. Like this been the only kid that I've ever seen like G League games get broadcasted live on ESPN. The hype is real. They calling this kid the next, you know, the best prospect since LeBron James. They really hyping this nigga up. You know, the strengths? Shit. This motherfucker can shoot threes. Step back threes, we talking. Like, he's got this fadeaway that's crazy. That's legitimately unblockable. He got to turn around. Post game could use a little bit of work. He could use a little bit more strength. 
of course, because obviously he's undersized. He's seven foot two. And seven foot five with shoes on. You know, a lot of people are comparing him to Dirk. I think that's a good comparison as well. I mean, he's got shot blocking ability, a little bit of perimeter defense. But obviously, what he needs to work on is he needs to get in the gym, he needs to put on some muscle because he's completely fucking undersized. He only weighs 209 pounds. Like, dude got to get and hit the weights. He got to get to at least 250, 260. Because guys like Jokic, guys like Embiid are going to have a fucking field day with him. Like me, watching his highlights... Is amazing. It's just like I I truly think like San Antonio is gonna win a bunch of games that they really not supposed to win, and it's gonna be all based on Wimbenyama's talent alone getting them victories. You gotta think about this, like. I think San Antonio could win 34 games. I ain't saying they're going to the play-in or playoffs. I'm just saying, like, they'll win a bunch of games that they really should not win because of, you know. When Benyama's talent. And he could pass a little bit, too. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, with the current talent that they have, you know, I think the lineup as it stands, I'm trying to remember, like, fuck, they starting point guard is like, <laughs> like San Antonio is one of the least known teams. I think it was Trey Jones, Blake Wesley, Keldon Johnson, Victor Wimbenyama would probably play four or five, depending on who is what. Oh, yeah, Devin Vassell, like, Devin Vassell didn't even start last year. He started some games, but, I, or or Johnson could play the four, and then Victor could play the five. That's what it's looking like for me. I don't know how Pop is going to play it, but the number two pick is in. The British are coming. The British are coming, y'all. Pause. All right, man. So the number two pick, I got the Charlotte Hornets selecting point guard and shooting guard, Scoot Henderson from the G League Ignite. When I first see Scoot Henderson, the first thing that I think of is MVP Derrick Rose. 
like that rookie Derrick Rose that's like not afraid of nobody, not afraid of no competition. That's just eager. That's just willing to attack the basket. And then, of course, his passing ability and his athleticism and his dunk and his uh, array of dunks, you know what I'm saying? And he could finish at the rim quite well. And then if you look at, you know, his muscle definition, pause that. Like, this nigga, this nigga is cut, bro. And, and he's got, he's explosive. He got some speed. He's got the basic guard skills. You know what I'm saying? Where he's going to struggle is, like, three-point shooting is not consistent. That's the thing he's going to struggle with. The jump shot, you know, he's got a great mid-range jumper like like, like old Derrick Rose. And his defense is not quite there yet. His defensive mechanics is not quite there. Because I saw his defense kind of get exposed in that skills challenge uh, thing. You know, when it was the three-on-three, the tournament, it just seemed like sometimes, you know, it seemed like Scoop wasn't even there. You know, despite, you know, his post defense could use some work. But, I mean, I think it's just the fact that um, he's a guard. So, they're not expected to be like post defenders like that. But, yeah, the, you know, that's his struggle right there. The defense, you know, the catch and, the catch and shoot, he's not really effective there. He's not a great catch and shoot guy. He's more of a mid-range jump shooter. You know, that shot is what you got to work on because, you know, the NBA is all about shooters. What impact he could bring to uh, Charlotte is very simple. This is another playmaker in the backcourt alongside LaMelo Ball. I mean, from his game, you could either play him at one or two. And And it goes the same way with LaMelo. I mean, LaMelo has been injury prone the last couple of seasons. And so just in case LaMelo misses games, Henderson can run the offense. And this dude can instantly start, in my opinion. And I think that Charlotte could find a suitor for Terry Rozier. Because I don't think Scoot's going to come off the bench. I don't see that for him. I see Scoot Henderson coming in and starting. I mean, that Charlotte Hornets starting five is crazy, man. (laughs) Like... My God, like it's like a graveyard out there. I mean, they went 27 and 55. Like Dennis Smith was starting in place of LaMelo. 
Like you had Kelly Oubre starting last year. Now he can move to his natural position, which is the three. Yeah, PJ Washington, Mark Williams. Yeah, this team. I mean, I like Mark Williams, though. Don't get me wrong. So I think Scoot Henderson would provide a boost to this Charlotte team that they needed, especially in scoring wise. Oh, yeah. The number three pick is in. The number three pick is in. And I have the Portland Trailblazers at number three selecting Brandon Miller, a.k.a. Brandon Killer. And Brandon, this is the thriller. (laughs) All right, man. Fuck that. All jokes aside. All fucking jokes aside. Brandon Miller, the player comparison, I mean, a lot of people might not like it because, you know, people expect you to model the picks by all-star names and big names and things of that nature. But in the case of Brandon Miller, you know, I compare him to Jabari Smith Jr. from the Houston Rockets. I mean, this dude can catch a shoot like Jabari. I mean, he's got that Kevin Durant build. Maybe Kevin Durant potential. Like, watching the footage of him, dude is just a natural-born scorer. Like, he can shoot from anywhere on the court. I mean, that's going to be his job. And a guy like Damian Lillard would love to have somebody to pass to to hit open jump shots. Because Damian Lillard's always going to be double. Because he's always been a threat. You know, that dude could pull from the logo. Like, but Brandon Miller can also do that. And him being a four, that definitely helps Portland's situation. I mean, you have the possible potential lineup of uh, Lillard, Simons, Sharp, Smith, I mean, Brandon Miller, and Joseph Nurkic, because I don't see Jeremy Grant coming back to Portland next year. But I could be wrong, though, but I highly doubt it. Because if Grant does come back, You know, Miller would probably be the starting three. I think I could see Brandon Miller be a starter because this guy can just pick and pop. And I think that his ability to hit mid-range jumpers and three-point jumpers is very Kevin Durant-esque. An underrated aspect about Brandon Miller is his passing ability. Can you imagine Brandon Miller attracting double teams and getting Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons open jump shots? And of course, Joseph Nurkic as well. Or Brandon Miller could be a six man because what Portland was lacking last year was depth. And maybe he could be a six-man-of-the-year candidate. Now, Brandon Miller's weakness is, you know, sometimes he's not a very good finisher. He's not as athletic as this draft class is. 
And in certain cases, he could struggle with that, you know, especially if he's getting defended by more physical basketball players. I mean, he could be a little bit better on the defensive end. Like, bigger guys can, you know, take this motherfucker to the rack. Which is another reason why I think Miller should get in the gym. And, you know, he should work on staying in front of his man. A lot of these players in this draft have this issue. So, and it's also the fact that he's young. He's only 19. Like... This kid has room to grow to be a better defender. I mean, he has the wingspan to be a better defensive player, but unfortunately, he's not really, like, consistent defensively. That's his flaw. All right, all right, all right, all right. Now, we got the number four pick in. I have the Houston Rockets selecting Amin Thompson, a.k.a. Amen Thompson, from the City Reapers Overtime Elite. So Amin Thompson decided to forego college and spend a year in the G League. I'm trying to think, like, is Amin Thompson and Aswar Thompson twin brothers, or are they like... You know, is there an age difference? Let me find out real quick. I'm trying to find out if, if they're twins. Because I want to see if I got... Okay, they are twins. Bet. Like, these two guys got to be... Like, you know, since Marcus Morris and, 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 and Markeith Morris... Like, this is probably the first set of twins that might both get selected in the lottery. That's got to be dope. And uh, my player comparison for Amin Thompson is Andre Iguodala. And I'm talking about a little bit of Golden State Iguodala because of the uh, passing and playmaking ability, which both twins have. <clears throat> but the explosiveness in the in the transition game, that's what attracted me, pause, to uh, Amin Thompson. Like, he's got that athleticism, he's got that great passing ability, and he finishes well at the rim. Like, he looks like he's going to be a very exciting player. And Houston needs a wing bad. You know, when it comes down to what Houston is lacking in, it's a wing. Like, this dude, him and Jalen Green would be very electric to watch. Like, I'm looking at the footage now. Like, this nigga just did. This nigga go. Him him and a a, a men and a swore both definitely going to be in a dunk contest next year. <clears throat> you can book that. Because a men Thompson go-to dunk is the same dunk that LeBron, you know what I mean? uses like he's always good for those steals intercepting passes 
He's got defensive ability. But Thompson could be a secondary playmaker for that Rockets team. <clears throat> because Kevin Porter Jr., he's okay as a point guard. But I think Thompson's a better passer than Porter Jr. I mean, you got Porter Jr., you got Jalen Green, you have a man Thompson, then you have um, Jabari Smith Jr., and then you have Alperin Shingun as that starting five. So that would be a great young group for M.A. Udoka to use. And Udoka is a player's coach, but is a very disciplined coach. But, um, man, this dude got a nice little handle. But, of course, his weakness is shooting. Like, his mid-range could use a lot of work. His three-point shot could get more consistent. Thompson's a more improved three-point shooter because in the G League season, he was awful early on with his jump shot. But now, Thompson is a little bit better with his shooting than before. He's got to work on uh, fighting through screens. He might need to put a little bit of weight on him. Despite that, um, and then, you know, the defensive awareness, despite him being a solid defender, you know, his awareness could be off. But a lot of these young players defensive awareness is off early on in their career once they get used to that nba speed i think thompson's going to be completely fine this is an easy lottery pick and in this draft what i notice is the wings there's a lot of wings coming out you got a man thompson you got cam whitmore you got a sword Thompson, you got Jarris Walker, you got Taylor Hendricks, you got Leonard Miller, like you got um, Jet Howard, you got Gigi Jackson, you got Brandon Miller, you got Derek Whitehead, City Gazosko, Maxwell Lewis. Like, this is if you're looking for a wing player, my nigga, this is the right motherfucking place because this is the motherfucking spot, nigga. But the next pick is in. We gonna, we gonna go down to the motherfucking D. Detroit City, you dig? Alright, alright, motherfucking shit. We, we know, we know. Detroit pick is in. And at number five, I got the Detroit Pistons selecting Cam Whitmore from Villanova. And man, oh man, oh man. I like Cam Whitmore. This is a guy that I want Detroit to grab because Detroit is in desperate need of a wing since they traded Sadiq Bay to Atlanta. I mean, Isaiah Livers is all right, but he's not Cam Whitmore. Cam Whitmore already is a better player than Isaiah Livers. No disrespect to him, but it's just real like that. 
Detroit, outside of Hammy Diallo, does not have a guy that can attack the basket. We haven't had a guy that attacked the basket in a very long motherfucking time. And my player comparison and a lot of people's player comparisons, which is on point, is Miles Bridges, a.k.a. Miles Stitches. (laughs) But anyway, bullshit aside, this dude got bounced. Like, this might be our first athletic wing low-key since Grant Hill. Now, I'm not saying that Cam Whitmore game is like G. Hill, but his bounce is like G. Hill before the ankles injury. Like, this dude got bounced. This guy could finish well at the rim, finish with contact. He very fucking strong, it looks like. You know what I'm saying? It looks like he his main thing is to drive to the basket. And furthermore, he can score. He's not just he's not just a dunker. The man looked like he could put up 20 a game. He's got that potential. Maybe borderline all-star potential if he continuously works on his game and gets better. Because I really like Cam Whitmore right now. Like he's got. He can score from anywhere on the court, like from 15 feet. He can hit open jump shots. Like he can score from anywhere on the court, and the Pistons need that. You know, dudes who drive and and like to drive and kick and, and all that, like Ivy and Cunningham. Like he can hit the three out the jab step. He's got a lot of skills from what I can see. And then Cam Whitmore also can play defense, which is something Detroit is lacking right now. I mean, Cade's defense is okay, but Cam Whitmore can check a lot of the other team's um, star players. Now, one of his weaknesses is he can't pass worth a goddamn. <laughs> he fits right in with the Pistons because the Pistons can't fucking pass either. <laughs> and then, you know, his shot selection, he could get a little wild, a little crazy with the shot selection. His mid-range jumper can, can use some tooling a little bit. But other than that, though, I like the pick for Detroit. I'd love to see him, you know, in transition with Kay and Jaden Ivy. You know, obviously the lineup would be I, I, I would see him as a starter, in my opinion. I could see him starting alongside Cade, Ivy, Bohan Bogdanovich, and Jalen Duran. Can you imagine a Cam Whitmore Jalen Duran? Lob threat. Man, I can't wait. All right. The number six pick is now in. And if I am the Orlando Magic, I am selecting a Swar Thompson from the City Reapers over Tom Elite. Shooting guard slash small forward. 
Now, you know, his compare, you know, he's got this is uh Amin Thompson's twin brother who plays for the same G League team. And the number one thing about him that is impressive is his defensive ability. He's actually a better defender than a man is, despite a man's defensive prowess. Aswar Thompson let it be known that I am a defensive player. I block shots. I challenge shots. I'm on the perimeter with it. I'm downhill with it. And I block shots. He's a special player for sure. Straight lockdown. And the player comparisons I have is Andrew Wiggins, as far as I'm concerned, with Wade, with Andrew Wiggins with Scottie Pippen level defense. Although Scottie Pippen never won defensive player of the year, I truly think that I see a lot of Scottie Pippen as far as defensively. And then his playmaking ability is just as good as his brother's as well. And this is another guy that's explosive athletically. Like his his leaping ability is even higher than a man's. A man's, you know, Thompson's not as creative dunk wise. I, I say his dunking style is more like Dominique Wilkins as far as like dunking is concerned. He's a power dunker. A man is more of a finesse dunker, a creative dunker. And then Aswar is also a great playmaker, just like his brother. That's where the Scottie Pippen comes in as far as the passing ability. And Orlando could use a guy like this that's very versatile. I mean, you got Markel Fultz. Then you could possibly either start him or Jalen Suggs. I would start Jalen Suggs. Then you could probably start Thompson. Or he could come off the bench. <clears throat> Imagine a guy like this coming off the bench. Because, you know, Franz Wapner is the starting small four. And then his brother Mo sometimes played a four or five. Paulo Banchero and um, Wendell Carter are the four and five. So more than likely, it's going to be between Suggs and Thompson who starts at that two guard. And Jamal Mosley is an incredible coach. And he led the Magic to a 34-48 record. Which is well improved from, you know, and he's left-handed. I didn't even know. Is he left-handed? But yeah, man. Aswar Thompson. Whether he starts alongside Markel Fultz, which would be one of the more athletic backcourts in the league. And of course, his struggle ability, he is his jump shot. He doesn't have a good pull-up jumper. He's not a very good shot creator. And a lot of teams will dare him to shoot, which is probably why he wouldn't be in the game during crunch time. 
unless it's to defend. Thank God for his passing ability. If not for that, he would be a complete liability during crunch time situations. And it's corner three. is atrocious. And, of course, like his brother, you know, you can easily screen them out. They don't fight over the screen sometimes, which can lead their defender to open shots. All right, let's move on to the Indiana Pacers. I have the Indiana Pacers at number seven, selecting Jarris Walker from Houston College. Jarris Walker has a lot of great elements to his game. Like, this dude is a complete player. I'm not going to hold you up. This ain't me. This ain't no dick sucking shit. But from the footage that I've seen, my player comparisons, because I got two players in mind that I think of when I see Jarris Walker. I see Draymond Green, and I see Isaiah Stewart rolled up into one because he has the defense of Draymond Green, and he can run the offense like Draymond Green. He's a good playmaking ball handler like Draymond, but he's a way better scorer. Like the Isaiah Stewart that I see Jarris Walker playing like is like the Isaiah Stewart from early last year before the injury where he was hitting open three-pointers. He's a good shooter. He's solid on both ends of the court. He could be a 3 and D player. And Indiana is in, was in desperate need of a power forward last year. I don't think they – I mean, I like Miles Turner at power forward, but he's a better center. And then Jarris Walker, you know – He's a, he's a good perimeter defender. Matter of fact, he's a great on-ball defender. But he also blocks a lot of shots. Like, he is really fucking good to me. He's a great help defender. And from what I've seen, I mean, man, I wish Golden State would pick him so that Draymond could come off the bench. But him, you know, you got to go with best available. Like, but Jarris Walker's also a great threat to pick and pop. He's also very athletic. Now, you know, he's not without flaws. He's not a very, he's a good shooter, but he's not really a consistent shooter. He doesn't necessarily have a good play, a pull-up game. He does turn over the ball a little bit. That comes with the uh, responsibility of being a playmaker, like especially a young playmaker. Sometimes you make a lot of stupid turnovers. Um, he doesn't drive the ball very well. For a person with his ball handling handling capabilities, you know, his ability to rise and pull up, 
makes him miss certain shots. Some people would dare him to shoot, pull up jumpers, but he's more of a catch and shoot guy. More so than a create off the dribble jump shot puller. But I think Indiana will be getting a gem with uh, Walker because I think the lineup would be what? Halliburton, Matherin, Buddy Hill, Walker, and Turner. So I'm trying to remember, like, who the fuck was the starting power forward for these niggas last year? Aaron Neesmith was the power forward. This is a this, Aaron Neesmith is a fucking two guard playing the four. So, you know, I did right as far as team needs are concerned. Next pick is in. Next pick is in. Next pick is in. And um, I'm going to. Uh, the number eight pick in Washington. Washington at number eight selects Anthony Black, point guard from Arkansas. Nobody desperately needs a point guard like Washington is concerned. Man. Like Washington has went through various point guards like throughout the years. Like they haven't been able to replace John Wall effectively. And there is a cat that is that has John Wall size, pause. And Anthony Black is 6'7. And he is a very great point guard. He's got a lot of potential. Um, the player comparison is somebody that he actually looks up to. And it is Josh Giddy. I see a lot of his vibe going on with him. Like, he's also a tall point guard. He does finish well at the rim. He's great in the pick and roll, pick and pop with other players. And his defense is there. Like, currently right now, Washington point guard is fucking Kendrick Nunn. Who is a walking punchline. And then they had Monte Morris last year as well. And I think Monte Morris is a guy better suited for a six-man role than a starting role in the league. And not to mention, Anthony Black can play some defense. Like, his shot-blocking ability, because of his height, you know, he can block a lot of smaller point guards. But, of course, with a lot of these players... They, you know, Black struggles with his jump shot. But he's a hell of a playmaker. You know, he is really what we call a true point guard. And Josh Giddy's definitely a great comparison. Yeah, man, but Black got to work on that jump shot, man. That's his biggest weakness. His pull-up jumper is questionable. You know, a lot of teams strategize to let Anthony Black shoot jumpers. And that's how a lot of these teams 
have like one. And, you know, another concern is turnovers. And, you know, he doesn't go left well. A lot of teams make force him left, and he could be ineffective sometimes. Which causes turnovers. Which is a weakness of his. The number nine pick is in. The number nine pick is in. The British is coming. The British is coming. At number nine. Hi, shut the fuck up. At number nine, I have the Utah Jazz selecting Kaysan Wallace from Kentucky. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. This is a Kentucky product. Who player comparison is Drew Holiday. And we know how Drew Holiday get down. Drew Holiday's pesky. He's a hell of a defensive player. A perimeter lock guy. And Kaysan Wallace does have some of those qualities. And Drew Holiday got a little jumper on him. You know, when he on, he on. When Holiday on. But Kaysan Wallace... Does have good shooting ability, but his main squeeze is his shot blocking ability to, at, at the guard position. Like it's Dwayne Wade esque from what I see. God damn. I'm watching the footage of these players that I'm talking to y'all, so that's how I'm able to talk about it. You know, they got the descriptions and everything. And he is a great help defender. Like he gets a lot of chase down blocks. So Drew Holiday is a great comparison. And he uh, his jump shot is butter, baby. It's like butter, baby. Also a great playmaker, true point guard. He can finish well at the rim. I see his weaknesses, though. Not a good pull-up jump shot shooter. Like Drew Holiday, in a way. Holiday is more effective in catch-and-shoot situations. Just like Wallace is. Um, Doesn't fight through the screens well. As usual, that's young player shit. That's something that he could improve once he's been around you know he has the defensive awareness after a screen is not necessarily there and that's a weakness right there but utah had you know i know i know they have colin sexton and all but i think Kason wallace is built for that starting lineup and I'm not 100% sure if Sexton is going to be the starter there. I have a feeling that they're going to move him. And Kaysan Wallace is going to be their starting point guard. Alongside Jordan Clarkson in the backcourt. And in Utah's case, Utah's going with the best player available. 
I think Utah has a lot of wing players, so I don't see them selecting Taylor Hendricks or Brady Dick. Pause. But um, a traditional point guard with Drew Holiday potential is something that you got to go for if you're Utah. All right, y'all. We got the number 10 pickup in Dallas is in this motherfucker. Now, there's been speculation on whether this pick or Portland's pick is going to get traded. But if I'm the Dallas Mavericks, at number 10, this is an easy selection. I have the Dallas Mavericks at number 10 selecting. Taylor Hendricks from UCF, University of Central Florida. Man, this dude is something that Dallas needs because they ended up trading Dorian Finney-Smith for basically Kyrie Irving. So they lost their only defensive player because Dallas had nobody, and I mean nobody, that can play defense, especially like Taylor Hendricks, like his jumping ability is unmatched on the shot blocking side of the game. He closes out. He was a lot like Dorian Finney-Smith, but a way better jumper, basically. And not to mention, his shooting ability is incredible. Like he, he a great wing defender. He blocks shots. He stays in front of people. My player comparisons are um, Christian Wood and Sadiq Bay with defensive ability. Bay was a decent defender, but not like this. This is like some Ron Artest level defense. This dude could potentially be second team all defense at worst. And this is a versatile defender that Dallas really needs that can play the four. He can play the current NBA level four and a little bit of three. And all switches is when he's the most dangerous, when he's, you know, with a, uh, a guard. And then not to mention his athleticism and putback dumps. Like Dallas... Definitely needs this guy. I mean, I would love him in Detroit. I wouldn't be surprised if Hendricks went in the top five or six through ten. But based on best available and team needs right now, Dallas needs a Taylor Hendricks. Because I think Christian Wood is definitely walking in free agency. It's just and Dallas, he can play a small ball five. Knowing Jason Kidd, dumbass, he'll probably start him at five. Because, you know, if he was moving to five, he would be the best five there. Even better than JaVale McGee. Currently. And not to mention, he's a pick and pop threat. He can hit threes. He shoots the three really well. He's one of the best shooters in this draft. It's 
Hendrix's finishing ability could use some work. Not necessarily good at full speed. Hendrix doesn't have a handle, which is completely fine, though. Like, if you play him in a, a power forward, a catch-and-shoot role, where he doesn't have to pick up his dribble, he'll be all right. He also has to improve in his playmaking ability. But I'm sure that that's not going to be his role if the Dallas Mavericks select him. If he goes to Dallas, you got two guys that are playmakers that can make plays for you. Hendricks doesn't have to do anything but stand still and be open when Luka and Kyrie get double teamed. I mean, you would have a lineup of maybe Kyrie, Luka, Hardaway, Hendricks and Dwight Powell. Because I see why Dallas didn't make the playoffs. I mean, you traded two of your best role players that have shown up in the playoffs. And Spencer Dinwiddie, who is a walking 20 points. Dorian Finney-Smith, who's a 3 and D guy. So Dallas's depth looked thin. And then you got Luka and Kyrie in the fourth quarter being tired as a motherfucker. Hendricks is not a great defensive rebounder either. But I truly think that Taylor Hendricks is a selection that Dallas needs to make. Guess who's back on the clock? It's the Orlando Magic. They have two first-round picks, y'all. And at number 11, you know, sometimes you got to go with the best available. And the best available is yet another Well, actually, you know what? I'm wrong. It's a Kansas pick. Big college, big college. Joe College. Number 11, the Orlando Magic select Grady Dick. Pauls from uh, Kansas. He's a shooting guard and a small four. Now, Grady is probably the best shooter coming out of the draft. You can he has a good argument. It's between him, Taylor Hendricks, Brandon Miller, um Jet Howard, Keontae George, um Max Lewis. Uh, An old boy uh from Santa Clara, Brandon um I can't pronounce his last name. God damn it. What's his last name? Brandon Podzimski. So this is a deep draft for shooting. 
So Orlando selecting Grady Dick, man, let me tell you something. This motherfucker right here, you know what he reminds me of? He reminds me of Brent Berry and Rex Chapman. I've used this, these player comparisons before. But not only can he hit the three, but he can pick up the dribble and finish at the basket. Like he got some bounce. Pretty fly for a white guy. Like that catch and shoot, you know. He's not from Duke, but he got that uh he got that Duke University look on him. Coming off the screens, shooting threes, he cuts to the basket well, he got some bounce. And then when he gets double teamed, he can pass the rock. He has that IQ and that court awareness. And Orlando Magic could use him off the bench, probably. Or he could be a a, three, a backup three. But more than likely, I don't see him starting in Orlando. I see him being like off, uh, you know, offense off the bench. Like he moves, he's good on ball and off ball. Like, this dude got some finishing ability that's crazy. And not to mention, defense, ladies and gentlemen. Defense. Grady can play some defense. And in this Orlando situation, you always got to go with the best available. Grady could be a top 10 pick. A lottery pick, as they call it. Let's go to his weaknesses, though. Okay, they're saying that he's not good weak side help. That's kind of like a nitpick to me. So he's not really a great shot creator. That's fair. Uh, the finishing ability needs a little bit of improvement. That'll come with time. But the boy Grady, if Orlando gets him, and the Swar Thompson, Orlando can make make the play in easily with these two guys on the team. This would add to bench depth. Um, they saying also that Grady needs to get in the gym and get a little stronger. But other than that, Grady Dick is a great pick for our Orlando Magic. All right, the left, the uh, the number twelve pick is in. Now this is a risky pick for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Very risky. But we speaking on what do what exactly do we need? What is a need for our team? And the answer to that question is the power forward position. 
because you got a lot of, you know, I do understand that Jalen Williams is naturally the power forward and um, played a lot of center last year because their center, Chet Holmgren, was out the whole season. But I feel like Holmgren needs a buddy in the front court. Whether he starts or comes off the bench, which I believe that he may come off the bench, but I don't know. That's hard to determine who comes off the bench between him and light-skinned Jalen Williams. But Leonard Miller is 16 and 19 years old and plays for the G League at night. Oh, my bad. At number 12, I have the Oklahoma City Thunder selecting Leonard Miller from the G League at night. Power four. Now, he can finish well at the rim. He's a lefty. And he got some bounce. He could attack the basket pretty damn good. With running speed. Now, he these two players that I compared him to are not as explosive as Leonard Miller. But looking from what I've seen, you know, because I, you know, I viewed all 30 of these players that I picked. But I'm just getting a refresher here. Now, I see some Stromile Swift. I see a little Stromile Swift in them from watching this tape. But also, I see Pascal Siakam. As far as like ability to pick and roll. But his main strength is interior scoring. And he knows how to take advantage of mismatches just like Siakam does. But he's just a left-handed version of Pascal Siakam. Just based on the uh, mid-range jumper ability. And he can guard up like Pascal. Now, Pascal is not the greatest defensive player. I think Miller is a better defender than Siakam is. I mean, this is a risky pick. Understandable. I completely understand why. Because there is better talent available at the number 12 spot. At Oklahoma City... May select somebody else, but if I were Oklahoma City, I would choose a front court teammate like Leonard Miller because this is supposed to be a. I think this is. No, I don't know if this is Scoot. Yeah, this is Scoot Henderson's teammate, I believe. Um, His weakness is turnovers. And he can't go right. He can't get right, y'all. If you force him right, he'll turn over the ball instantly. Doesn't have great ball security. The jump shot is not there yet. The jump shot and the passing ability is not there. He's not a good passer, which is fine. 
Like everybody ain't got a pass. Some people are receivers. Some people give. He happens to receive. Sometimes he can bite on the shot fakes. You know, even the simplest shot fakes. Because he's a over he can be over aggressive sometimes. And if he if there's a quicker defender on Miller, he could possibly, you know, get passed up by quicker guards. But from my vantage point, now that I've seen him, Miller's probably gonna come off the bench and be one of those help defender guys. And I can see maybe light-skinned Jalen Williams starting at power forward now that I look at him. Even though Miller has has small ball five potential. But I'm going based off of needs, and they definitely need a four. It will be up to Coach Danigolt to see if he needs to start or if he needs to come off the bench. We're going to take a trip to the six. Man, I hate ads. Ads are just the worst thing that happened to fucking YouTube, man. But we're going to take it to the six on them. The Toronto Raptors. Now, Toronto is lacking at the guard position. I mean, they've tried multiple guards. Me, personally, I'm not going to lie to y'all. It may be time for Toronto to let go of Fred Van Vliet. Not going to hold you. I think there needs to be a shift at the guard position because they have tried Malachi Flynn. That hasn't necessarily worked out for them. Gary Trent Jr. is becoming a flop. He has his moments, but he's a streaky shooter. And I think Gary Trent Jr. needs to go back to Portland where he flourished in that offense. And furthermore, I truly believe that At number 13, Toronto needs to select Keontae George from the University of Baylor. He's a point guard, but can play the shooting guard position. I mean, he's 6'4". He's uh, described as a combo guard. And he can score. That's the number one thing that I seen that... And he can score and pass. And he's got Gilbert Arenas range. My player comparisons are Gilbert Arenas and Clay Thompson. And this dude... Got that Dame. He got Dame range, too. He, I see a little Dame in Keontae George as well. Got to put Damian Lillard in there as well, but he's got the Damian Lillard, Gilbert Arenas, 
release, just like Jaden Hardy did last year. Like, this dude will shoot over anybody. And he's got handles like Gilbert Arenas does. So I say a Gilbert Arenas, Clay Thompson, Damian Lillard prototype. And he's got pretty good passing like Dame as well. Like, especially out of the pick and roll. Now, where he needs to improve, we'll get to that in a moment. But I didn't see Dame the first time I watched. I saw Gilbert Arenas. But now that I see the complete game for a second time, I see Dame. You know, he needs to improve on decision-making. He does make a lot of stupid turnovers and mistakes. Uh, consistency on the defensive end. That's something that Clay perfected early in his career. His defensive ability. But yeah, man, I mean, Toronto grabbing Keontae George would be a blessing. I mean, if they do decide to keep Fred Van Vliet, Van Vliet can play that two role while Keontae George sets up the offense just like Kyle Lowry used to. You know, he also folds under pressure sometimes, especially like, like if he gets double teamed, if a team runs a half-court press, full-court trap, half-court trap, dude can turn over the ball easy in them type of situations. All right, the 14th pick is in. The 14th pick is in. The 14th pick is one of my favorite teams in the world, the New Orleans Pelicans. Now, you know, I had a change of heart last night watching particular players. And I looked at where people projected these players to go. And what New Orleans needs is bench scoring. Bad. And I know the perfect person for that. At number 14, I got the New Orleans Hornets selecting Jet Howard from Michigan. Now, I didn't get to watch much Michigan being from Michigan because I'm a Michigan State fan, first of all. So I didn't give a fuck about what Michigan, the amazing blue, was doing. But however, from the footage that I've seen of Jet Howard, my player comparison is Mike Miller. Like when Mike Miller won Rookie of the Year, that's what Jet Howard reminds me of. The Rookie of the Year year of Mike Miller. You know, Miller became like a shooter's shooter over the years, you know, including, you know, hitting eight threes in an NBA Finals game. which is not talked about enough because of you-know-who. But anyway, he's got that catch-and-shoot thing. 
That's his number one squeeze. He's automatic. Motherfucker's like a 96 from three on NBA 2K. He's a hell of a shooter. Like they spent like four or five minutes on his three-point shooting ability alone in the scouting video. Again, he's one of the best shooters in this draft. He's got great pull-up shooting, jab, step, step back, basic moves. He got a little, he got a little turnaround, got some decent dribbling ability, got a nice little runner. Then also, he's a playmaker. That means off that bench, you know, he can be out there a second play, secondary playmaker to uh, Jose Alvarado. Now, Jet Howard starting, I don't see it happening. But however, you know, he could get some six-man-of-the-year votes if he comes off the bench because he'll have more of an opportunity to showcase his full game. I don't think him starting alongside Zion Williamson, if healthy, C.J. McCollum, Trey Murphy, Brandon Ingram, I don't think it's going to get Howard opportunities. I think Jet Howard has the ability to be the Brandon Ingram of the team coming off the bench, though. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I didn't get to the motherfucking weaknesses of Jet Howard yet. That shit is a little bit premature. On-ball defense was an issue for Jet Howard. But with him coming off the bench for a New Orleans Pelicans, I don't think that matters because they have that uh, Najee Marshall kid to hide those flaws. Because, again... What did I say on my Carmelo Anthony show? Great coaches like Willie Green know how to adjust and hide certain players' weaknesses. Howard is not athletic. That's okay. But all in all, I think that Jet Howard is definitely going to help the scoring on the New Orleans Pelicans. Oh, shit now. We got the number 15 pick, which is Atlanta. The pick is in. If I'm the Atlanta Hawks, I'm going to select Jet Howard's teammate, Kobe Bufkin from Michigan, a two-guard that could be a point guard, basically. So back-to-back Michigan players shall be selected. Now, my player comparison... A lot of people may not like it because of how bad he performed (laughs) in the playoffs. But I compare Kobe Bufkin to D'Angelo Russell with Dwayne Wade defense. We all know how great of a shot blocker that D-Wade was. And Kobe Bufkin can definitely go and finish at the basket. He can elevate Above the rim, they said he shot a 71% at the rim, y'all. Like, he's just a great finisher. And he's a lefty, 
just like D'Lo is, and it's a lot of comparisons, I, I say Golden State slash Brooklyn version of D'Angelo Russell. Like his finishing ability is unmatched. Obviously, his playmaking ability and ball handling skills is through the roof. And Atlanta could use a third playmaker. You know, that way DeJounte Murray and Trey Young can play less minutes. Then you got Kobe Bufkin out there, maybe with the starters sometimes. Like, the dude can shoot the three. He can finish at the rim. He's got a good mid-range jumper. Like, he's very versatile offensively. He can play some defense. Like, he had a lot of chase down blocks. Then he's also solid on the perimeter as far as defensively. The Atlanta Hawks don't have that versatility versatility at the guard position they just don't and buffkin provides all that like bogdanovich is just strictly a score and a shooter now um he could improve as far as some of the passes that he makes the decision making um, the playmaking consistency sometimes could be inconsistent. He doesn't have good pick and roll defense. But Buffkin, I definitely like his upside. You know, a lot of these players, I don't know, man. Is it me or these draft scouts are nitpicking? As far as, like, pick and roll defense and inability to uh, fight over the screen. Fighting over a screen from a motherfucker screening that's, like, 6'11 and 260 and 250. That shit hurt. Imagine Draymond screening your ass. Then Bogut screening your ass. That's why Golden State used to be so effective, even though they was committing moving screen on a motherfucking time. But I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. All right. We got another Utah first round pick ready to rock. Utah has the number 16 pick. And with the number 16 pick, I got the Utah Jazz selecting Bryce Sensiball from Ohio State. I mean, Bryce Sensiball, he can score. From what I saw, great scoring ability. But the way, pause, the way that his body is set up, right? He's 6'6", but he could push that point. He could be a scoring point guard. Like... It's kind of giving, you know, my player comparison 
was Chauncey Billups with Kyle Korver's release. Because, you know, Chauncey was 6'4", but he was like 180, 190, and he was a big guard. And he's kind of got like, I'm not trying to say that he got Chauncey Billups' game. He got more of Kyle Korver's game. But this guy is just a complete pure shooter. Off the screen, very traditional. And not to mention, just like Chauncey, you know what I mean? He had that mid-range, like Chauncey had a high-arcing mid-range jumper that nobody could really block except if they were like a wing player. He likes to dribble to get to the spot. Not necessarily a high-level ball handler, but he likes to get to his spots to where he's comfortable at. Like, it takes a masterful defender to get him away from the areas in which he wants to score at. And this motherfucker's strong as hell, just like Chauncey. Like, he can play bully ball. And he can take you down to the block, just like Chauncey. That's why I say he got Chauncey Billups' elements. He just Chauncey if he's 6'6". Like, he like to take you on the block, hit, hit you with a little turnaround, High arcing release, high arcing jumper. Like, dude, really bout it, bout it. Now, him being strong, like, if people try to take him to the post, he's there to stop a lot of people from scoring on the inside. Now, he's not like a masterful, god level defender, but his strength makes him a solid post defender. So if a person try to back him down, you know, he stayed. However, you put a quicker guard on him defensively, he'll get blown by. He's not necessarily the fastest guy in the world at all. So sometimes he can get blown by. Not a great help defender. And then sometimes when he posts up, he can get hella wild. And he's not a great playmaker or a passer. Sometimes he over dribbles. I mean, sometimes he can turn over the ball. And he has a lot of turnovers being a little bit too physical. You know, sometimes when you have the ability to barrel over a motherfucker, some people just take the charge. You know, sometimes you have to know what to do and you have to actually scout your defender and his tendencies. Because a lot of people have that tendency to go for a charge. And some people just get posted up and scored on. 
I think once Bryce Sensabaugh figures that out, I think he'll be fine. But more than likely, he'll probably be a scorer off the bench. But lo and behold, no cap in my raps, though. He possibly could have the starting potential in Utah. Who they start? I mean, I think Taylor Hurton Tucker was their starting small forward last year. Oh, it was Laurie Marketing that played that three role. That makes sense. But obviously, you know, I got Utah already picking um, Kaysan Wallace. Colin Sexton can move to that bench role. I mean, more than likely, he could be, you know, he could be a small ball four, or he could be like a third backup guy. But me personally, I would use him if I'm Utah selecting this guy because he could shoot. He could come off the screens. I don't think they have anybody like that in Utah right now that could come off screens and be a bucket. So I think that's where he could fit in. Another six-man product. Oh, boy. My favorite team in the world. <laughs> the Los Angeles Bakers. Nah, I'm just playing. Hell nah, the motherfuckers. Them niggas are ops. Them niggas is 12 police. But uh, all jokes aside, we got 12 at number 17. We got the 12. Now, we know that the Lakers are whores for attention. We already know this. So, why not grab a player at number 17 that was the best player on the national championship team. You know, they're horse for attention. At number 17, I have the Los Angeles Lakers selecting shooting guard Jordan Hawkins from Connecticut. And again, this is another guy that can come off of screens and hit open shots. You know, my player comparison was Paige Stojakovic and Kyle Korver. Like, this dude is just a pure shooter. And he's got a little bit of defense. Say, for example, they do lose Austin Reeves to, to playoff. I mean, not playoff, but, but due to free agency, I should say. Say if they lose him. Jordan Hawkins could be a quick bounce-back option. And I'm pretty sure that they're going to uh, let Malik Beasley walk and Troy Brown walk. And maybe Rui Hashimura as well. I think Jordan Hawkins also, I mean, if LeBron and AD stick together next year, and Palinka wants to keep rolling with that. Jordan Hawkins could be that knockdown shooter 
that the Lakers need that could keep them in particular games that they couldn't stay in with Denver this year. Like, if Hawkins is open, it's good night. That's another 98-3 on 2K-ass nigga right here. I can't say he reminds me of AR-15. Because I think he's a better shooter than Austin Reeves. Like, this dude just got natural shooting ability. And the Lakers need guys like that just in case LeBron gets double teamed, just in case AD gets double teamed. He's not really going to be paid attention to. But this guy was the lead star on the national championship team. And the Lakers like to go after people like that. He also has defense. He could guard like Austin Reeves a little bit. So we looking at possibly possibly the 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 uh the replacement for Reeves slash Beasley slash maybe Rui. Um he could be a little bit more consistent on the uh defensive end. And he could put some weight on, man, because you know. Physical guys, you know, take him to the paint. You know, a lot of people target him. Because he doesn't have the strength and the size to keep up with nobody. Pause. But other than that, I think the Los Angeles Lakers would have an easy prize with Jordan Hawkins from Connecticut. All right, now. The number 18th pick is in. And if I'm the Miami Heat, at number 18, the Miami Heat should select Jalen Hood Shafino. From Indiana. My player comparison was Cade Cunningham. That's what he reminded me of. He's a bigger guard like Cade. He got some of Cade Cunningham's qualities. He just is not as a polished shooter as Cade Cunningham. That's the difference. Cade Cunningham's got a better jump shot. But as far as running the offense and being a solid passer, I think Jalen Hood Shafino is somebody that Miami should look at. He's a 6'6 point guard. I mean, if you look at the uh, people that's running the Miami offense, Gabe Vincent is not a natural point guard. Tyler Hero is not a natural point guard. Kyle Lowry is a point guard, but he's a point guard past his prime. And it's not the Kyle Lowry from the Toronto days. But Hushafino gets to that mid-range jumper like no other. I mean, I saw a little bit of Rip Hamilton in him. As far as just like a mid-range jump shooter is concerned. 
And he definitely pulls up like Kane. And he scores well off the pick and roll. Got a nice little floater. And not to mention passing. Miami Heat don't have a natural passer that can get Jimmy Butler open. You know, Benson is cool, but who on that team outside of Jimmy Butler averages more than four assists per game? Don't worry, I'll wait. This kid, Jalen Hood Shafino, can average six, seven assists per game. And not to mention... His driving kick game is sick. He can pass that motherfucking rock. Now, his issues is three-point shooting. Now, Miami does a lot of three-point shooting. That's something that he gonna have to get together. But... Here's the difference, though. To be honest with you, I ain't going to lie. He might not need that jump shot because he's going to be the one getting guys like Gabe Vincent, Matt Struess, Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo wide open. And, you know, the da- another downside, which is going to, I think, improve later on you know he's not a good lob thrower but when you got a guy like bam at a bio i don't think the lobbing is going to be a hard thing once he gets to miami or if he does in fact get drafted by miami he does turn over the ball just like young basketball players do but it's like an issue. Like, he's not necessarily a great pocket passer. And he's not very athletic. You know, he's not an above-the-rim type of player. You know, he's obviously 6'6", so he definitely could dunk the ball on a fast break. But he's not very great at absorbing contact which is probably why he would fall to number 18 uh oh that's that number 19 pick the number 19 pick is in I, I, I. Number 19. I mean, Golden State, they need a center. Just bottom line, they just need a big man. Like, this small ball shit only gets you so far. Yes, they've won four championships with this. But you know the reason why they won two out of their four championships? JaVale, JaVale McGee. And I think they need somebody similar. I'm not going to say that this guy is like JaVale McGee. 
I'll give you the player comparison. You know, I got a little help with this uh, draft comparison, but I got it. At number 19, the Golden State Warriors should select Derek Lively II from Duke. Derek Lively is a shot blocker. This is something that Golden State needs. He needs a glass eater. Pause. He's great from the weak side. His movement is pretty lateral. When it's like a quicker guard on him, he could always catch up and block the shot. You know, the potential, if he can get with a big man that can move his feet and to teach him footwork, as far as like staying in front of a motherfucker, I think Lively would be a great contributor to the Golden State Warriors. Like he could easily start at center, especially against the Jokic's, the Embiid's, the Victor Wimpinyamas of the world. You know what I'm saying? The Giannis Antetokounmpo's, the Jaron Jackson Juniors. But my player comparison is Marcus Camby. Like young Marcus Camby. Toronto Raptors Marcus Camby. Denver, a little bit of Denver in there too. But the only difference between Derek Lively and Marcus Camby, Camby is Camby was a little bit more skilled as a big man. He had a jump hook. He can back you down in the post. He Marcus Camby did have a mid-range jumper. The, the thing that I didn't like in this uh, scouting report of Derek Lively, they said that he was a poor three-point shooter. I mean, everybody can't shoot the fucking three. I'm telling you that right now. Everybody can't shoot that motherfucker. But, you know, he... You know, defend. You know, shooters can't rise above Derek Lively. Guys can't challenge Derek Lively at the basket. I mean, they said he averages like almost five blocks per minute. I mean, five blocks per thirty-six minutes. I should say. My bad. But, yeah, man, his flaws, you know, he doesn't necessarily have the skill, like the basic big man skills, a jump hook left, jump hook right, pivot foot, spin move, you know what I'm saying? He doesn't have those qualities because Lively is kind of like a lob threat. Like, once he gets in the paint, it's the shack, it's shack attack time. He's a powerful finisher at the rim. In the pick and roll, you're a dead man if he gets open. But I don't like the scouting report by Adam Spinella, you know what I mean, on this one, you know, because, you know, most of the shots he took, he airballed. I mean, he tried to shoot, but that's not his game. I think in Golden State... You know, then also foul trouble. They say he commits five fouls within every 43 minutes. 
Now, yeah, you want your big man to be available to make a big block. And I also get using your five fouls. Five or six fouls. But it'll be six fouls in the NBA, though. But when you're playing like a Zubak, you're playing against an MB, a Giannis, a Jokic, you want Derek Lively out there. But other than that, I think that Derek Lively would be the perfect pick for Golden State at number 19. Uh-oh, we got the number 20 pick in the motherfucking building. Houston Rockets. This is uh the Houston Rockets once again. And I have them, the Houston Rockets at number 20, selecting GG Jackson from South Carolina. Now, my player comparison is Rui Hashimura. Like he the way that he gets to his mid-range jumper, and he can hit open three-point shots. Jackson is talented, and he and, and, and the kid's only 18 years old. He got to college relatively young. He was still 17 years old. But he is a masterful shot creator. Something that Houston needs, a wing that could score well. I mean, Houston, you know, as far as my draft selections are concerned, they got their athletic guy with bounce. Now they need a secondary shot creator to come off the bench. Alongside the Josh Christophers of the world, the Tari Eason's, who can also do some of these things that Gigi Jackson can do. But Gigi Jackson's a little bit more of a jump shooter than anything. You know, he's a good one-on-one guy. He could create his shot off the dribble. Houston needs... You know, in in the close games that they were in, you know, they lost a lot of close games. Like, you could put in a G.G. Jackson during crunch time, and he'll be clutch. All you got to do is just screen off to the other team's weakest defender and let let him rock. Like, just to have a guy that can get hot in a hurry and his jump shot is smooth like that and he's sitting on all type of uh, all types of potential, this would be a good pick and a choice for Udoka and a great addition to the Houston Rockets depth chart. Now, where he needs to improve at is defense. Obviously, he's young and he does have bad body language like he's still a young nigga going live he needs to control his emotions 
you can see that he could be a, a target for technical fouls. Like, he definitely reminds me of Rui Hashimura for sure. But he, but he just doesn't have Rui Hashimura's defense. He might get lost in screens. His defensive awareness might be off. Jackson's not a great decision maker, but again, he's 18. He's not going to make the best decisions. Everybody is not an 18-year-old LeBron James. Everybody is not Kevin Garnett coming out of uh, high school. Gigi Jackson has this ability to try to over-dribble through a double team. But lucky for Jackson, though, I don't think er this early in his career, he's going to draw a double team. But once people see this footage of him trying to dribble into traffic, then maybe they could, especially if he gets hot from the field, then they might try to administer that double team or that full court trap, full court press, half court press type shit, type shit. Again, youth. He's not fully developed as a man maturely. So he's going to do a lot of wild ass shit. But other than that, Gigi Jackson is like a skill. If we get, if you can get this young go live nigga to mature, I think that Houston can have a steal and a potential six man of the year. Uh oh, we got that number twenty one pick, and guess who got back to back picks, y'all? Brooklyn Zoo. Brooklyn Nets have back-to-back -back picks. And in this case, the Brooklyn Nets should go with the best available. And at the number 21 spot, the Brooklyn Nets should select Nick Smith Jr. from Arkansas. He's a point guard. You know, they have him listed as a combo guard. But you know what he reminds me of? His potential future teammate, Spencer Dinwiddie. I see a lot of Dinwiddie in this kid's game. I truly do. He's 19. The only issue is he does have injury concerns because last year he played through a fucked up foot injury as a matter of fact these next two picks played through injuries last year let's focus on nick smith right now though nick smith is definitely a good offensive shot creator
look at the scoring ability. You can attack the basket. Not necessarily as athletic as some of the people in this draft, but his untapped ability to score. I mean, I think he could put, replace Patrick Mills. Brooklyn's weakness last year was lacking of depth. Despite them having like a Bentley of wings coming off the bench, they didn't have, I mean, Seth Curry wasn't consistent. Patty Mills didn't get enough clock. I don't think Jock Vaughn used his rotation properly. And hopefully Nick Smith doesn't fall victim to the same thing. Because Nick Smith has natural scoring ability and he's a good shot creator. And he's great in the catch and shoot. If Brooklyn does get Nick Smith and they keep Seth Curry and they keep Patrick Mills, and they can run a small ball bench lineup, man, they would have one of the best benches in basketball, especially with these next two picks. And Smith can shoot the three ball very well out the catch and shoot. Not to mention, defense. He's a pretty decent shot blocker. He can block a lot of the guards his size. Rich is a special ability to have with his athleticism. Now, he needs to improve with his decision maker, decision making, I'm sorry. He does have a lot of wild ass turnovers. And sometimes he can be a little bit inconsistent defensively despite some of the footage I've seen of his defense. Smith needs to get in the gym. He's a bit smaller than the average guard. He lost a little bit of uh, athleticism with that injury that he's, he sustained. But in some cases, if you put a bigger guard on on Nick Smith, he might be ineffective. And he's not necessarily like a motherfucking, um, you know what I mean? But yeah, man, I think the Brooklyn Nets, you know, him, Nick Smith, Patrick Mills, Seth Curry, Cam Thomas. You got a lot of shooters coming off the bench. The question is, who you going to guard if you decide to keep all these guys, that is. I mean, these, these two guys, you know, this guy could potentially replace a Patty Mills or Seth Curry or whatever the case may be. But anyway, my number 22 pick, uh-oh, the pick's in. 
this person is another person that um suffered injuries early on in the season and he didn't necessarily come along until later on in the season At number 22, I think the Brooklyn Nets should select Derek Whitehead from Duke. Why Whitehead? I mean, again, bench depth. You know what I compare him to? I compare him to Quentin Richardson. Q Rich wasn't that athletic per se, but he could shoot that motherfucker and he could score. Quentin Richardson wasn't the most talented player, but he got buckets. And that's what Derek Whitehead does. He gets buckets. And he comes from that Duke background. So he came off of the screens. He hit open jump shots. And he's very efficient with that jumper. And he would be very effective out there with Macau Bridges, Cam Johnson, and guys like that. He could play the three and the two. Then I forgot about Joe Harris's scoring. He got Dorian Finney-Smith as well. So, yeah, man. You, if Brooklyn adds Nick Smith Jr. and Derek Whitehead and they can like heal up from their previous injuries and stuff, I think they could be great additions at 21 and 22. Like Whitehead could just flat the fuck out score. Not to mention. He does have some defense. And 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 Q Rich, I noticed something about Q Rich. He played pretty good defense as well. Not necessarily a three and D guy, but he stayed in front of people. And once he's locked in defensively, he's locked the fuck in. The only thing is, of course. I think it's a nitpick by the scouter, but understandable. He could get lost in screens. I mean, that's the job of a screen to make you switch onto a defender that you may not be able to defend. A lot of these players do have a defensive inconsistency, but the league as a whole is defensively inconsistent. He's not necessarily a great finisher at the basket. I think that injury had a lot to do with that. Because I think he had like a foot injury or some shit. He doesn't necessarily dunk. And he's 6'7". Doesn't have the natural finishing ability that a lot of these players have. But I still think that for Brooklyn's sake... He would be an excellent addition to the rotation to the point where the Nets can go 12 deep. But Quentin Richardson is my player in comparison. 
The Portland Trailblazers are back on the block once again on the gap. And this pick is a very risky pick for Portland. You want to know why? Why do I ask why? Well, very simple, bro. This player is still relatively raw. Not necessarily. I think he's probably going to go through the G League, maybe. Going to have to be in the G League. But as far as team needs is, is concerned, I feel like he can make the rotation personally because of what the team exactly needs, which is a big man. At number 23, I have the Portland Trailblazers selecting James Najee from Barcelona FC, a center, a 6'10 center. I mean, yes, they have a 6'10 center in Joseph Nurkic, but Joseph Nurkic does not play defense like James Najee. And he has a 5% block rate and is a solid pick and roll defensive player. My player comparison is Kenyon Martin. Because, you know, he's a little bit undersized that's set for a center. More built to play power forward. But in this game, there could be a 6-10 center. I mean, you know, my Pistons had 6-7 Ben Wallace playing center. And James Najee just has that ability to block shots like no other. And Portland has Portland hasn't had a shot blocker in a very long time, bro. I can't remember the last shot blocker outside of Greg Oden that came through there. And Greg Oden didn't even get the fucking play. Check that out. But yes, Kenyon Martin, because of his explosive ability on the offensive end, because he is a strong, once he gets into the block and into the paint and the lob threat, he's a lob threat, and he jumps pretty fucking high like Kmart. A little bit bigger than Kmart, though. He's bigger than Kmart. But just his pick and roll ability to finish at the basket and his jumping, vertical jumping ability, he can live off that in this league. He's also a great offensive rebounder. And he's very strong, like Kmart. Now, however, what Najee has to work on in which Kenyon Martin had was post-offense. He's lacking the ability, you know, the, the big man joints, you know, the left-hand hook, the right-hand hook, the pivot, the spin, the Jokic spin, the Duncan running hook. He doesn't have that in his arsenal yet. As I described, he is... A raw product. But I think Portland should give him a chance and pick him at number 23 because he's definitely going to be there. He also turns over the ball a lot, but he won't be depended on 
you know, I don't think they're going to trade Nurkic quite yet, but if he happens to get a starting role, you know, those turnovers can be very concerning. Sacramento Kings are on the clock. The Sacramento Kings are on the clock. And you should already know where I'm going with this if you have been paying attention to the uh, young players coming out of this draft. Now, at number 24, the fuck you think that they should select? I have the Sacramento Kings at number 24 selecting Chris Murray. From Iowa, the identical twin of current Sacramento King, Keegan Murray. Yes, I have the brothers linking back up in Sacramento. Now, as far as Chris Murray is concerned, he's a left-handed version of Keegan, basically. But he's a little bit slower, a little bit smoother. And this dude can get hot from three, just like his bro. He's got a nice little mid-range jumper, a nice little left-hand game. He can take you to the block and to the post. And he could be a catch-and-shoot guy. And he could be a corner shooter threat. Also, a solid defender. Now, his weaknesses are his first step. He may not be might he may not have the first step quickness offensively. He's not very athletic. You know, he doesn't have the bounce that Keegan has. But Chris can do everything else though. He's a very skilled player who can play the four in some small ball five. Now he was a little bit consistent from inconsistent from three, but if he sees one go down, he'll go crazy for three. His defense is something that Sacramento definitely needs on that block. I mean, if you add Chris Murray to this rotation... I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I think he could be like a starter alongside Sabonis. I mean, Murray's already the starting four. But maybe some things need to be moved around because me personally, though, I ain't going to lie. I think the Kings should get rid of Harrison Barnes. That's just my thoughts. I think if you start both Murray twins... Alongside Sabonis, Fox, and Monk. She. This could be one of the best starting fives in the world. And or Kevin Herter, too. Just depends on who you rocking with and who you rolling with. My player comparison is David Lee, but with better defense. I just seen a lot of David Lee, especially like... When it comes down to Chris Murray taking niggas on the block. Now you found somebody new. 
and just hitting and just having that David Lee touch and then having the big man basic skills. I think that Sacramento would have a steal in Keegan Murray's twin brother, Chris Murray. Uh-oh. Is that that 25 pick in? You bet your ass it is. Oh. All right. The number 25 pick, Memphis Grizzlies. Now, we all know that the Grizzlies cut Dylan Brooks. They just said fuck Dylan Brooks for life. In a nutshell. And I feel like they need a defensive player. And I have the Memphis Grizzlies at number 25, selecting City Gizosko from G League Ignite. This is another one of Scoot Henderson's teammates. And I think he would fit well coming off the bench for Memphis. I'm not sure about starter. I think Sizosko is a little bit too raw to start. The person who's probably going to get um, Dylan Brooks' starting job, it's possible it could be Luke Kennard. I think it would be John Morant, Luke Kennard, Jaron Jackson. Steven Adams, Brandon Clark. Well, they, they plan on starting Brandon Clark next year. That's what I heard. But City, Gizosko. Oh, it's, it's Sizosko. My bad. I, got, I, I had the G instead of the C. City is... My player comparison was Ron Artest. You want to know why? Because in the open court, like when, you know, our test used to get a steal, he was like a little slow, but, you know, long enough as far as the uh, wingspan to score on the break. And, you know, he's very physical like Ron Artest on the defensive end especially. Now, his flaw is he could, he does commit a lot of stupid fouls, a lot of stupid, goofy-ass fouls. But that fits what Memphis is trying to do. Like, he can defend guards and forwards. I mean, with Buddy being like 6'7", like, he could defend some fives. Like, when he's playing on-ball defense, he gets a lot of blocked shots. It's definitely reminiscent of Ron Artest, for sure. He may not have the, the fear of God that he put in, niggas, of Ron Artest, but he possesses a lot of that skill set. Like, when people try to post him up, they fail miserably because of his strength and his lower body. And Sezosko... Has a little bit of handles. Not the best handles. 
but solid enough to be explosive enough to attack the basket at will. This gives me so much of Ron Artest vibes, like Indiana, Sacramento, Houston, L.A. Lakers, Ron. Sizosko is not a consistent shooter. He's not the best shooter in the world. He'll be dared to shoot a lot. And this is what kind of like Ron Artest was underrated at. Passing. And City Sizosko is no exception. He can pass. He's a flashy passer. His passing might be a 75 to an 80 on 2K. Like, but if Sinosko has to be dependent on to shoot on the regular, that shot won't be consistent. Because last year's season in the G League, he got into a horrible shooting slump that he never really recovered from. And he airballs a lot of threes. He's not very good at one-on-one scoring, like breaking his man down off the dribble. He's a guy who more so needs to be like off the ball. He doesn't have like a great handle. But all in all, I think that City Sizosko definitely fits the Memphis program. And, you know, Memphis is trying to change their image, obviously, with the John Morant shit going on, with the shit talking. They want to go away from that. And City Sizosko seems like a model pro that doesn't jaw, that doesn't trash talk. You know, the only thing is, like I said, the turnovers, the wild fouling. He does a lot of wild shit. Which kind of fits. The Indiana Pacers are back on the clock once again. Um, as far as I'm concerned, the Indiana Pacers need depth. That's something that they lacked. And this is why they fell from the sixth seed all the way down to, like, one of the lower seeds to the point where they did not even make the play-in game, y'all. Now, the injury to Tyrese Halliburton had a lot to do with that. Indiana needs scoring off the bench. Badly. I mean, with my original selection for Indiana, which was Jairus Walker from Houston, I think Walker...
So you got a starter. Now you need a potential six man. And at number 26, I have the uh, Indiana Pacers selecting Maxwell Lewis from Pepperdine. Max Lewis, that dude could score, score, score. Like he's got the three-point shooting. He's a hell of a... He's a hell of a um, shot creator, I should say. Like, his ball handling ability for his height is pretty damn good. He's definitely a more mature version of G.G. Jackson. But my player comparison is Trey Murphy the third. I mean, that catch and shoot, he's a motherfucker with that. He's built like like Trey Murphy. He needs to improve defensively, but they said in his second season at Pepperdine, he definitely improved. And he's another automatic ATM when left wide open. He's a pure shooter. One-on-one, he could be an issue and a problem. And Indiana needs that coming off their bench. Like, this dude got some game. You know, how Trey Murphy improved all around as a basketball player. This is what Maxwell Lewis is. A great dunker. But he's athletic as fuck. I mean, on Indiana, if he does happen to make the starting lineup and the Pacers finally trade Buddy Heal and Max Lewis gets to the starting lineup alongside Matherin and, and, and Halliburton, still probably got some all-star potential. If he comes along later on in his career, he could be that late round pick that could turn into an all-star because he is a solid defender he's just not as consistent with it from an effort standpoint you know sometimes Max Lewis settles for the jump shot a lot. He falls in love with the jumper a lot instead of mixing it up, taking a mid-range jumper, going to the hole, going for post moves. They're basically saying that Maxwell Lewis has, he's a three-level scorer, but he only chooses one level every time. However, it's still a raw product on the defensive end, but... Maxwell Lewis at number 26 would be a steal for Indiana and a key 
offensive player to add to their rotation. Uh-oh. Is that that number 27 pick coming in? Did the Drake vocals come in? I think so. But yeah, man, let's see. We got the number 27 overall pick. This is another Charlotte pick. At the number 27 pick, I have the Charlotte Hornets selecting Colby Jones, point guard from Xavier. Colby Jones, player comparison, I see a less athletic Malcolm Brogdon. I'd probably say the current version of Malcolm Brogdon. On the Boston Celtics as a sixth man. Not the Malcolm Brogdon that we saw dunk on LeBron in Milwaukee. But the smart, savvy, sixth man Malcolm Brogdon but a way better passer. He's listed as a combo guard, but he's definitely a solid playmaker. And this is another guy that could, could back up Scoot Henderson or back up LaMelo Ball. And in this situation, you got to go with the best available. And Jones is it. The playmaking, the defensive ability. And he can drive to the basket. He can score at the basket. It's pretty quick. I mean, with his 6'6 height, 6'7, he can guard positions one through three. And he's a great on ball defensive player. He can force people into a lot of poor shot selections. Um, he's got the ability to catch and shoot, which is why he could probably play the, the two or the three coming off the bench for the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, the Hornets have a lot of questions as far as their depth is concerned. So him being a catch and shoot product, he could be dangerous. He definitely does give me Malcolm Brogdon vibes as far as him getting hot from the field. Because we see Malcolm Brogdon throughout these playoffs hit big shots. He is great at catch and shoot. Now, where he needs to improve is shot creation. And a lot of people, when he gets screened off the pick and rolls, a lot of people dare him to shoot the baskets. And he prefers to take runners instead of pull-ups. And pulling up for a jump shot is something basic that you have to have because there are nothing but guys that are tall. And in this wing-dominated draft, you need to get that shot up over these long wing players that are going to be uh, checking you. And Jones is not great at one-on-one -on -one scoring. That's something that he's going to have to improve. And he's not great at attacking the basket. 
And sometimes he has that uh, tendency to gamble on the defensive end. He likes to go for the gamble plays. DJ Nick Exclusive. But all in all, Kobe Jones could be a backup point guard for the Charlotte Hornets. Could possibly be moved to the G League and moved to a better place where they could actually use point guard help. Is that that number 20, 28 pick coming in? I believe that shit is. The number 28th pick, the Utah Jazz, possess a third pick in this draft. My goodness. Man, that goddamn Rudy Gobert trade, they eating off that shit, boy, because he, Rudy Gobert is going to be responsible for a lot of Utah's future rotational players because, you know, so far, we got Kaysan Wallace, we got Bryce Sensabaugh, and now I have them selecting another shooting guard. You know, in situations like this, you need shooting in this league. And then we have yet another one of those great shooters that's coming out. And this guy, from what I see, is lights out. Number 28th pick, I have the Utah Jazz selecting Brandon Podzimski out of Santa Clara. Podzimski, from what i seen, player comparison, I see Goran Dragic with Luke Kennard's shooting ability. So I see Luke Kennard and Goran Dragic. He has a left-handed jump shot that's going to be hard to time and hard to block because he is a tall motherfucker. He's 6'5", but that arc make him like 6'8". When it comes down to that release, like he's good off the catch and shoot. Because I looked at him last night and I'm looking at him a second time. And he is another 99-3, 98-3. Like I said, I see a lot of Goran Dragic and Luke Kennard. Got a nice little touch. Got a little, got a little handle on him. Got a little handle on him. I ain't mad at him. And then... An ability that uh, a lot of these shooters don't have that he has is the ability to take advantage of a smaller matchup, which 
is Goran Dragic-esque, if you ask me. Dragic loves to go to that left-hand hook shot. Dragic loves that mid-range jumper. And to attack the basket with his left hand. One thing that's also Goran Dragic-esque from Brandon Podzemski is the passing ability. He can pass. He's a two-guard that could play one, two, and three because of his talent. He can play the point guard position because he can pass well. He can play the shooting guard position because he can come off the screens. He can play the wing position because of his wingspan. Now, the one thing that he can improve on is separating from his defender. Like, if there's a more physical guy that can stay in front of Podzemski, he could struggle. But lucky for Podzemski, though, he won't be depended on as much. You know, because he was a starter in college. You know, he's got a handle, but he can't get away from nobody. And sometimes, you know, little little turnovers or whatever. Then also, doesn't play. He's not a very good defender. But I'm pretty sure the coaching of Will Hardy can hide um, Podzimski's defensive weaknesses. Not a very great defender at all. He can blow literally right past this guy. No problem. He is barbecue chicken. But... All in all, I think that Podzemski adds that scoring punch off the bench. He may not start, but he'd be a, another potential six-man over in Utah. Indiana Pacers are back on the clock once again. Damn, this is the third pick that Indiana's had. Now, there isn't much scouting tape on this kid as it should be, but from what I see, I totally do believe that um, this dude will be a legit pro. Number 29, I have the Indiana Pacers selecting shooting guard Bilal Koulibaly from France. I hope I'm pronouncing this guy's name right. Bilal Koulibaly got bounce. More bounce. More bounce. You know what I'm saying? This dude could jump out the gym. And he's Victor Wimbenyama's teammate. So you've seen him play on ESPN. He's definitely going to get drafted. You know, a lot of people have him going earlier in the draft. They have him like mid to late first round. Me, I have him towards the end. Why? It's because it's a very guard-heavy draft, and I feel like there's more talented shooting guards than the Lau. But however, a lot of them don't have that bounce. And also the playmaking ability to go alongside it. Now, the jump shot can use a lot of work. 
but he's very explosive, very dangerous coming off a screen, and a very dangerous cutter. Hits some shots, but not all shots. But the upside is the defensive ability. He is a solid shot blocker. And um, this dude is going to be a lob threat for Indiana. Because Indiana doesn't really have that. You know, and he could come in alongside Tyrese Halliburton and check the other team's best guard and be like a Lou Dort. Now, my draft comparison, of course, is Lou Dort and Andre Karolinko rolled up into one. He has the defensive ability and the bounce of Karolinko, but has the defense of Lou Dort. He'll stay in front of you. He's very physical. He blocks a lot of shots. He has good perimeter defense. Very big sleeper. I mean, when you look at what Indiana has done, according to me, you're adding to a team that had playoff potential who was sixth in the East at the All-Star break. You added Jarris Walker, who was more like Draymond Green, who was an automatic starter, in my opinion. You add a Maxwell Lewis, who was a pure scorer, a pure shooter, like Trey Murphy the third, and then last you add a guy that can attack the basket, like Bilal Koulibaly, who also can serve as a defensive player. So that's three different types of dudes you got coming off the bench alongside the O'Shea Brissett's, the Jalen uh, Smiths. I mean, you had uh, Benedict Matherin being a bench scorer last year coming off the bench as a rookie. Now I think that he's going to probably merge into the uh, starting lineup. The last pick. Finally, we're at the last pick. We've been going a cool two hours. This might be a three-hour fucking show. But I don't give a fuck, man. We got to give the people what they want. It's been a high demand for me to do a draft show. And I'm answering the call. All right. Last but totally not least, I have the Los Angeles Clippers picking Ryan Rupert from New Zealand from the National Basketball League. He's a two-guard, but he plays like a point guard, basically. My player comparison was Andre Miller. Like, he's really a legit, true point guard. He doesn't necessarily look to score. But he's a little bit of a better defender than Andre Miller. I don't really even need to film for this because this is the last thing I watched last night. So I have a very good memory on Ryan Rupert. The reason why Rupert is the 30th overall pick is very simple. Lacking of shooting touch. He he doesn't shoot the ball very well. His mid-range is flimsy. His three-point shot is horrible. 
He needs to work on his jump shooting if he's going to last in the league. If not, he might fuck around and go back to the NBL or spend some time in the G League scrimmaging. Because you have to be reminded, the Clippers still have, um, you know, I mean, there is the question about is Russell Westbrook going to return next year to the Clippers? I believe he should. That's just me. I believe that Westbrook should return to the Clippers. They also have Terrence Mann. You know, you have Brandon Boston. So that's a hell of a rotation to possibly work through, which is why I truly believe, yes, the guard position is a need for the Los Angeles Clippers. And Rupert is like, what, 6'7"? And, you know, he's not as athletic, but he does finish well at the rim. And he is a great passer. That's why I compared him to Andre Miller. Because of his great passing ability. Now, we are at the end of the show. It's your boy, King Known Uncensored. Welcome to the 2023 NBA King Known Draft, and I'm gone. Did your do you think that your team would make the right decisions? And did I make the right decisions with my choices? I think I did a very good job. But I'm out this bitch.